I feel like at the highest level of the sport, um, the bigger differences are made in your head than in your legs. Isaiah Newkirk. As a former pro cyclist, fast capped coach, and a curious mind, I've always found myself asking, where is my limit and how do I get there? This is a podcast to explore those questions. We'll share insights from pro athletes, aspiring pros, and coaches across a range of athletic pursuits, all in an attempt to uncover how we unlock our greatest potential as athletes. This week, we are doing a deep dive into the relationship between physical and mental health. And we'll learn how one of the most successful female cyclists in the world, Corinne Rivera, balances both. Corinne has 72 national titles to her name, as well as a world title. She is also the only American ever to win Tour of Flanders. So there's no doubt that she has had to tiptoe the edge of how far to push herself in training and in life. Welcome to the Training Edge. Welcome, Corinne. Hey, thanks, Isaiah. Um, So how are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Um, It's the afternoon here in Europe. I'm in uh, the south of the Netherlands and uh, gearing up for uh, my first race of uh, the season, actually, this weekend. Nice. Where's that at? Uh, in uh, Ghent, Belgium, and I'll be starting in uh, Het Nieuwsblad, so the first real classic of the season. Yeah, classic seasons. That's awesome. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm super stoked. Um, the form is good. Had a good winter at home. Uh no real issues uh, this winter, so I was really able to focus on, on training and uh, you know spend time with my family at the same time and uh, nice. not have to worry about any injuries or sickness. Um, nice. And then we just had a team camp in uh, Spain last week, and uh, I got a little bit of a cold, but uh, um, fought through it and uh, didn't really have to derail too much. And um, yeah, I'm happy how I came out of that camp, and I came out better than I was going into it and I kind of got that you know first cold out of the way nice yeah always is that something that's totally clear now you're feeling good yeah I'm feeling super good and to be honest like uh, my numbers during the camp actually wasn't that bad considering you know feeling sick and and the weather a little bit on uh, one of the days but um no yeah I'm feeling really good I'm pretty happy with how everything is in this past week of training since coming back from Spain. Sweet. Um, yeah, go ahead and give your team a little bit of a plug. How's the how's the team looking this year? Yeah, Team Soma's looking really good. Um, pretty young team, actually. I believe our average age is uh, 23 or 24. Wow. Right. Um, kind of weird because I'm one of the older people on the team. Yeah. And I've Experience. always like known myself as you know one of the kids or one of the younger people on the team. Yeah. So, so it's a little bit different for me, definitely like in a leadership role uh, for the whole team. Um, but yeah, I mean, considering the entire squad, uh, I have like a little more experience, um, you know, well-spoken and we all speak English. So we're kind of like oh, cool. from all, all over the place. Uh, there's like two Dutchies and two Germans and French girl, Sweden, Danish, Norway. So we got all of Scandinavia. Uh, and then I'm the only American and there's two Canadians. So pretty well (laughs) mixed team. Um, we're all doing really well. No one with a serious injury or anything. Uh, no one's sick at the moment. So I think 
we're going uh, into the classics really well. And actually, you know, we actually already started our season in um, Australia <clears throat> and uh, we had some yeah. really good results there. And then also Liana, uh, we actually both started on the team the same year and um, she was only 18 the first year. Now she won the first world tour race of the season and she's in the uh, leader's Jersey. So Dang. really impressive and super cool and really proud of her. And um we started off well and we have good momentum going into the classics. Awesome. That's super cool. Very, very cool. Uh, man, the experienced one on the team now. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny, kind of weird. I, I still kind of feel like a junior, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still like to keep everything like, you know, light and funny. Uh, but when it comes down to business, um, I got my head on straight, I'd say. I, I totally agree. So that's sort of one of the things that we're going to touch on today. Um, so I asked you here today to primarily touch on the topic of taking the importance of taking breaks, both physically and mentally. Um, and that's mostly the focus of in season. Um, something that often gets overlooked is the importance of taking a break, stepping back, um, letting go a little bit even. And, um, oftentimes during the race season itself, we, are really afraid of doing that just to let go of form, let go of, um, yeah, that constant itch to be doing something or building to something. Um, so yeah, let's dive in. Um, so to get started, um, we met in college at Marion university to give them a little bit of a plug. Um, and then one thing that I always admired about you was your ability to have balance in sport and in life. Um, and, you know, at the time you were in school, we were both in school, um, but you had this ability to be professional within cycling, um, but also be able to put the sport aside at times and either focus on school, being with friends, or even just exploring Indianapolis. Um, and that's something you actually got me out to do, um, which I still appreciate. Um, mm -hmm. But in contrast, um, you know, having gone through the sport myself and um, still watching it today, um, it's pretty present at the top end of the sport um, that there's this mindset of um, if you're not only a cyclist and you're not always a professional, then you're never going to achieve big things in the world of sport or as a professional, especially within cycling. Um, kind of like the concept of, you know, if you're um, able to sit down, you need to be lying down. You always need to have your feet up. Um, the constant quote that I was hearing um, of, you know, do your job, um, you know, finish your plate, do your job, don't have your cookie, do your job, that kind of thing um, that kind of gets swept up um, into this like pressure world within cycling. Um, do you see that as well? Is that something that you've seen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's I feel like it's really personal. It's kind of like how you want to go into it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm obviously not the best cyclist in the world because uh, because I think if you ask someone like Annemiek Van Vluten, he might have completely different answers than me. And uh, we both might sound really happy uh, about how we do things. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we're like, you know, could, we could be polar opposites about our answers. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, balance is super key. And um, I just find that, you know, when it's time to be serious, yeah, you need to be serious. And then when it's time to, you know, you can relax and have fun, maybe do things that you can't do during the season uh, that you can do outside of, you know, in the off season. 
um, I think it's important to do those and um, yeah, let loose a little bit, um, you know, have a few drinks, whatever, uh, because you can't do that throughout the whole year or it's not professional to do that the whole year or it doesn't help you to do that throughout the whole year. Um, But some people just don't even like that. And so that's fine. And, you know, they can have fun like another way. But um, it's, yeah, I always try to have a balance on things. Um, And, you know, when it's time to get to business, I am pretty serious, Um, you know, like the whole, uh, you know, why, why stand when you can sit, why sit if you can lay down kind of thing when it's like in the season or like especially like in the classics where it's like you're racing full gas every weekend um you know that's really a period to be focused um so i kind of break it up into periods like when i can and cannot do things um but i still try to make sure that i'm enjoying myself uh throughout the whole thing uh you know i'm not gonna lie I'll, i'll have a a beer every now and then with dinner or you know if we do well after a race um, but I'm not going to have seven. So yeah. uh, I think that's some kind of self-control that you need to have. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, taking care of yourself with sleep, uh, you know, being hydrated. There's a lot of things that, like, go into being uh, a really good athlete. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, of course, there's the other side to that where you do have that downtime and you want to use it the best you can. And do the things, yeah, that you normally wouldn't do in the season. Like, I went snowboarding this off-season. Um, yeah, and I just had really a lot of fun with it. And I appreciate that time. And I appreciate that I can even have that time because now I can't do that anymore. Right. Yeah, so it, it sounds like balance and moderation are kind of the big ones for you then. That, yeah. And then there's also kind of like a time and place for everything. I yeah. think it's still possible to do whatever you want, but it can't be you know, in certain times of the year or whatever. Right. So then, and then, uh, working that into the plan, like working that into, uh, time and place as well. Um, so one of the questions I had was actually if, and when you start your season out, do you sit down kind of with your coach plan out where, uh, you'll be taking your breaks, um, early on like do you sit down immediately at the beginning of the season and chart that all out or do you kind of do that dynamically along the way uh a little bit of both uh there's always you know the big grand plan um we sit down in december and kind of already start brainstorming even before that um yeah we kind of call it like a, a year plan basically where you can sit back see the whole year kind of map things out uh, the team is really good about sending me home, especially after the spring, because uh, that's my longest block away from home. Yeah. Um, so that's always a really big, important uh, time of the season. We try to plan that correctly. And, you know, the team's really open. Like, originally, I was supposed to stay until uh, beginning of May and race Yorkshire. And then I thought, yeah, can we, you know, kind of meet in the middle? And maybe I do all three of the Ardennes races, because... Originally, you know, the plan was to just do the first two. So do Amstel and Flush and skip Liege and then yeah. race Yorkshire. And then I look at the plan and I kind of think about it. I can have my own input and I think, you know, oh, cool. ah, I might be good to go home a little bit sooner. Uh, can I just race Liege, do all three Ardennes and then skip Yorkshire and then see if that works with the team and uh, the rest of the roster and the plan for the races, if it can fit. And then uh, we, we make a change. So uh yeah we, we made that and so i'll go 
the plan for now is to go home uh, end of April after Liège. Nice. So, um, yeah, that's something that we look at. And, yeah, you know, big picture throughout the year. It's obviously an Olympic year. There's that. Right. Um, you know, nationals, also the buildup into the Olympics will be really important just with, uh, you know, heat preparation. So, it, you know, take that into account, like how we want to do that and where we want to do that. And then, um, yeah, just kind of filling in all the races that would be good for me, making sure that I have enough races. So we do have a big plan um, going into the year. And then, yeah, as we get closer and closer, um, you know, a lot of things can happen. I'm right. also a, a reserve rider on a lot of different races. So if something happens to another teammate um, and I have to fill in, you know, yeah. it's also something that can come up too. Um, but I think especially being someone who's not from Europe, uh, far away from home, like no family or, you know, real friends out here that are like, you know, from America, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, I think we, we make it really important that I go home at the right periods for a good amount of time so that I feel refreshed uh, mentally and also physically. Nice. So I guess um, to step back a second, so when you said you were kind of changing your calendar around, is that from or because you have input and you're able to kind of say, all right, I don't want to come home at this time or skip this. Um, is that because of past experiences of going too far or like you've pushed that a little bit too bit, like too much? Or where did that come from? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I've done th that kind of long block before. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, yeah, definitely being here in the springtime is very mental. Uh, the weather is hard. Uh, the yeah. races are hard. Everything is hard. You're, you know, you're gone from home for the longest amount of time. Uh, it's pretty cutthroat. Uh, and like anything can happen every weekend. You know, you could get yeah. sick, you could crash, you could have a mechanical, and then, you know, that's it. That's your race. Um, <clears throat> so it's really, you know, a heavy part of the season. And uh, even my first year on the team, like I had a great year. I won two races, podiumed and a, and a couple others. Uh, and, you know, when everything is going good, you're able to just keep going. So right. that year, it was already in the plans, um, but I was, uh, you know, planned to be here through Yorkshire. And uh, I guess, luckily, you know, I was doing well and uh, it was fine. Yeah, I, I could just, you know, I was here for three, almost, almost four months um, wow. and everything is fine. And then, you know, comparing to, I think it was the year after, um, I think I was supposed to stay until like Liège or something, uh, but I was having a really bad year, uh, getting sick, uh, some crashes, just some really hard races with really bad weather that year. It was super cold in 2018. Uh, yeah, I was just having a miserable time. I also hadn't seen Nate, uh, in a really long time because, uh, I actually started the year traveling to a team camp and then I went to the Philippines, went back to the team camp, and then we kind of split up that block of four months that I was away from home. And uh, uh, Nate, my fiance, came in the middle of that. So we always kind of try to plan his visit in the middle of my time away. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was really nice, but like to not see each other for two months on each end and only see each other for a week uh, was pretty difficult. So that whole period was really hard to deal with and I think I was supposed to go home after Liège and um, I was I was just over it I just wanted to go home I was I was kind of done with that season uh, or that spring and then uh, I just asked if I could change my flight and I just changed it and I went home 
So yeah, I've learned from, you know, a couple different situations. Um, and then what kind of made me think about going home a little bit earlier for myself this year is just that. Um, I think I was supposed to come back uh, in May a bit sooner. So I wouldn't be, I would be home for like just under two weeks if I had raced Yorkshire. So I wanted to kind of make that a little bit longer. And I think the team knows that too. So I think that's why we kind of um, agreed on making a change so that I could be home for a little bit longer. Yeah. So importance then of kind of knowing yourself and um, changing the plan as you go, is that what you're saying is kind of a good thing to be able to learn from and dynamically change? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And everyone kind of experienced you know, experiences these things differently. And yeah, over my time, like I'm still learning, I'm still new. I think only my fourth year in in the world tour is still pretty, you know, pretty new. Um, But yeah, I'm learning every year and I'm learning how to deal with uh, adversities and learning myself and just being a little bit realistic. I think normally I'm a pretty like gung-ho like very strong willpowered kind of person Mm -hmm. and uh sometimes it ends up biting you in the butt and i guess as you get older you get wiser and you (laughs) you make a little bit better decisions um but uh yeah for sure definitely taking um experiences into account yeah it seems like you have a lot of like support within your team too to be able to make those changes um do you feel like that's something that's changing as the sport kind of progresses do you feel like teams are more open to um that more like giving breaks to riders allowing them to have their own time training um or do you feel like the sport is still kind of in this state of you know hard knocks put in the time do your job kind of thing or do you feel like it's changing yeah i think it's changing for sure i think um the level in the world tour um is going up and the depth is getting deeper and um i i feel like at the highest level of the sport um the bigger differences are made in your head than in your legs um i mean because everyone's doing the work everyone's training uh you know that's something that you just have to do it's just like part of it but like how smart you do things how efficiently you do things um you know, the way you go into races mentally, uh, how you deal with pressure. I mean, these are a lot of um, kind of almost almost uncontrollable factors uh, that if you can get control of, um, you know, it can really take you far. So I think that the team, I mean, I, I feel like I'm lucky to be in a good position and they kind of understand, you know, where I come from, how I do things. Um, and over time, I've kind of learned the things that I need. Uh, to be successful or to be in a really good level. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, it's definitely changing and, you know, there, there are the times where you do have to be hard and, uh, like training camps, you know, you really have to do your job and, you know, get in the good efforts and push yourself and push each other's to be better. Um, but like, for example, I, I was sick at the last camp and, uh, we had like a really hard six hour day and we had a three minute test and a 20 minute test. And we had these two sets of 20 minute efforts and um, yeah, I was already sick and it was cold. It was already raining all day. And uh, by the last, by the last effort, like I, I just couldn't do it. Like 
And so I just pulled the plug and I just wrote easy on the climb and uh, just put in the time and not put the effort in. Um, and that's just something that you have to be smart with yourself and kind of know yourself where's the line. And yeah, luckily I didn't get more sick from that day. And that, that was kind of like what I was a, a little bit afraid of, but uh, I think I made a good call to kind of still get the the importance of the day in uh, without making myself more sick. Yeah, worse. Yeah, I think experienced riders have the ability to read their body and know that those matches are better saved and to, you know, put up the white flag when it's important. Um, but it's hard to do that. It's hard to know <laughs> when to say, like, yeah. hey, maybe I should save this for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and, like, we're really wired, especially as athletes and competitors. We're, like, totally wired to just not think about that and just push yourself. And, like, how far can you push yourself? And, um, you know, how deep can you go or how long can you go or whatever? And it's always about, like, kind of a competition. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think, it's more about control and uh, when is a good time to do that or when isn't it a good time to do that? Or maybe you should focus a little bit more on recovery instead of, um, you know, the exercise or the output. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Um, the, okay. So one thing I wanted to touch on to give some listeners some insight is um, so one, how long, does your total season last? Let's start with that. Um, kind of depends on how you build out the schedule with the team. Mm -hmm. um, but a traditional schedule normally goes from end of February until uh, the end of September. So normally, like, classics, Pet News Blood, all the way to um, uh, World Championships at the end of September. But, um, yeah, it's changing now. The World Tours becoming bigger uh, now yeah. there's races in january in australia now there's races in china in october and i did that last year and yeah that really makes for a, a long season um, yeah. but in general the, the traditional season is from end of february until end of september and how many rate like if you had to guess how many race days does that tend to translate to uh for me i normally try to target between uh 40 to 55 race okay. days Okay. Um, that's kind of the sweet spot for me. Yeah. Uh, just to have some time at home and just have some really good racing here. A uh, couple longer stage races throughout the year uh, that I'll do. And uh, yeah, that for at least for women in the World Tour, that's about the sweet spot, I'd say. Nice. And then uh, do you take a mid-season break? Yeah, I probably end up taking a couple um okay. for sure one after the spring typically and then um i think normally i would do one after nationals okay um but then this year i'm doing uh the giro so nice. it kind of just depends on how your your season turns out mm -hmm. um and then also this is like a build-up to the olympics this year so I think I don't know. It, it really depends yeah. on how your schedule comes out from year to, year to year. Um, I think uh, I don't know. I'm actually not sure when that second break would be okay. uh, exactly on paper. It kind of depends if I make the team or not. I guess for Olympics. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, normally I'll do one somewhere uh, in the summertime, early. Sweet. Sweet. So, 
if you do take a midseason break, what does that normally look like for you? Um, either time wise, like is that time totally off the bike? Um, how long is that? Um, do you have activities that you like to do when that's going on? That kind of stuff. Yeah, that really kind of depends on you know what races I did before it. You know mm-hmm. what my what my stress is. Uh, including, you know, travel stress, uh, you know, just being away from home. Uh, and then, and then also like what's coming up and when is it coming up? Uh, so yeah, it really just depends on the schedule and how things unfold. Um, I would say like, for example, in 2017, um, I went home middle of April and then I had three weeks until tour of California. Uh, and then I took one week off when I got home right away. Uh, just kind of soaked in the time at home and then had a little, little two week kind of build up towards California. And I actually still did pretty well at California and, and I won a stage and I think I got nice. top 10 in another one. Nice. So yeah, it was a great year actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'd say for example, like that's something that I did. Uh, but then last year, for example, also after the spring, I came home and I think I took only three days off uh, because uh tour of California was a little bit sooner. So you still kind of need that build up, you know, before a race like that. So I uh, wasn't quite as fit at California and, you know, the break wasn't as long, but I still try to maximize the most uh, out of that. Right. It's a balance of goals and kind of objectives um, with the time that you have available to you. Um, yeah. How, how does travel affect that? Like how much time do you tend to give yourself between coming back to the States and going to Europe and um, getting used to jet lag and getting used to that travel fatigue and um, how does that affect you mentally and physically? Yeah, that normally takes about, for me, three days. Everyone's different. Um, uh, Every time that I come back and forth is different. Sometimes, you know, I'm here and I'm like having an awesome 10 hour sleep from, you know, nine to whatever, seven or something. (laughs) Nice. uh, and that's actually what I had on my way here. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm just over jet lag. I don't feel a huge difference. Um, but I, on, in general, I'll give myself about three days to kind of get over it. And then sometimes it takes a bit longer to get over it. And uh, normally when I go home, it's not as big of a deal because I'm not like going into a race. Um, but I think, at least for me, it's easier to go back to the U.S. from Europe because then you just wake up at like six or seven and you're just like ready to go you're like full gas like full throttle yeah and then you crush through the morning and the day and then yeah come seven eight in the evening you kind of go to get really tired um so i find that going back is easier um but i don't really kind of put a timeline on like how soon i need to be back on track because it's a it's a lot easier and uh, i actually really enjoy it because i get super productive in the morning when I'm I'm going back home so nice so but you do give yourself like a leeway a little bit and then just feel out how your body's responding basically yeah for sure and the team also gives me three days uh when I come back here so like uh before this team camp like I probably could have gone directly to the team camp but then I have to have those kind of three adjustment days so instead I just came to my team apartment in the Netherlands spent the three days here uh, but it was perfect because then I kind of caught up with my apartment, cleaned it up a little bit, got it ready for my time here this spring. So it worked out really well. 
and then it's kind of like a no pressure time you know uh, yeah it's not like i have to go to a ride or to a meeting at a certain time and you know uh meals at a certain time it's just kind of like my own time to kind of get back on track yeah no I, that makes perfect sense so um yeah within how do you um what are your go-to's as far as um i guess let's start with uh physical so um during season what are things that you do um either personally or you know alongside with your coach to um keep things fresh um that could either be like within intervals or you know anything um but let's start with yeah just physically how do you keep yourself fresh um i guess i you know a lot of what we do is kind of the same you know you go out you go for a yeah. ride and then you kind of figure out okay like where am i going to ride and that i you know of course have my routes and i have my one hour routes and i have my you know one hour easy route my two hour my three hour my four my five or three flat three hilly five hilly five flat you know yeah and um <laughs> you just have kind of like this routine and sometimes and especially when i was at home this last winter um it was just like starting to get a little bit monotonous starting to have like a little bit of cabin fever which I know is good for me going into the season. Like if I'm itching to get out of home, uh, it's a good sign for me, I'd say. Um, but I think to try to keep that fresh, uh, at least when I was just home this past winter, um, I, we, we would just plan on just doing like a big epic ride somewhere. Like I just drove up to LA for a day and just did a big ride in the mountains there or yeah. um, went over by uh, – GMR and Mount Baldy and just did like a really big loop out there just just to do something new do something different and kind of keep myself motivated in training and then um, also some days um, especially in the winter you know you're just getting a lot of base and not too many specific efforts um, I'll just go get lost you know I'll just <laughs> just try to find someplace new or a new route or a new way to get somewhere or you know you know, a route that has less cars or a new bike path or something. And um, for me, at least in my head, that kind of keeps it fresh for me. Yeah. So then um, that kind of stems into the mental side. So maybe like off the bike, what do you do to keep yourself fresh and excited and eager? And that could be, you know, all year long. Um, I guess it's like, um i guess doing things that i can't normally do in the season or like especially in europe um i mean i guess it depends on what what part of the mental side you want to get into but like if we're if we're talking about like food like there's some food from the u.s that i just absolutely love and cannot get here in europe so i'll make sure when i go home like that you know, I have to go to In-N-Out or I have to go to Din Tai Fung or I have to go get ramen or I have to go to this place because if I don't go and I go back to Europe, like I'm going to like miss it even more, like crave it even more. Um, so I guess there's, there's that aspect, um, of, of mental freshness. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like how I said, like I went snowboarding, like I love snowboarding. I've been doing it since I was like four years old with my family and, I've done less and less of it as I've gotten more and more into cycling. Um, yeah. But just try to find the right time to head up to the mountain when, you know, training is not too serious and I can kind of get away with a day, you know, going snowboarding and uh, making sure that gets done. 
uh, yeah. like, that I get to do that. And then it kind of keeps my head in a good place where it's not like I'm feeling jealous that, you know, someone is snowboarding or I'm feeling guilty that I said no to the snowboarding trip or whatever. So I try to yeah. put it into the plan so that I don't kind of have that, I guess, regret or that kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, and then I guess also, um, and I just thought of another good example, but it kind of slipped. Oh, camping. Like, oh, nice. I, I always want to go camping. I just want to go out. And um, after Thanksgiving, Nate and I uh, went camping and brought my new mountain bike out and just did some cool trails. Nice. Um, and so was able to do that. And that's something that, you know, isn't really the best idea throughout the season. So right. make sure that we put that in the plan that I, you know, that we can go do that and enjoy our time, enjoy the new mountain bikes, enjoy the new trails, uh, and just kind of make the most of that. So. Yeah. I found that like when you plan out your breaks, you have the ability to look forward to it. And then you also have the ability to kind of like let go of stress because that's already something that's been manipulated into the plan. So like maybe you've done a build beforehand or you're planning on doing a build after and that's like when your break is set to be and that's the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. um, because then in, as athletes, we're able to let go of that, um, which is really important because there's nothing worse than being on vacation, just being stressed about like, oh, I should be on my bike right now. Um, right. Yeah. Or also like, you know, you're on vacation and you're like, uh, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, maybe I should be doing something else. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, you, I've also seen several posts by you on, you go with your family to these epic locations, it seems, and do off-roading. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we actually didn't go this year. I was a little bit bummed out about that, but it, you know, it was a little bit hard to find the time this year. I think, um, you know, we had our team camp a little bit earlier in December. Yeah, and yeah. Actually, normally we would go for Thanksgiving or like, the, you know, the days after Thanksgiving. But uh, we had planned to go camping instead. So got a little bit pushed this year, uh, but that's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll plan on it next year. But nice. uh, yeah, my dad uh, is crazy and I love him. Uh, but uh, he used to race motocross, so he's got a you know a bit of that background. Nice. Um, and then it's kind of like how I got into cycling as well. Uh, after motocross, then he got into like downhill mountain biking, cool. and then just a little more XC, and then road, and that's kind of where I found an interest in uh, nice. what he was doing. But yeah, he was racing motocross when I was a baby, and it's just kind of always been part of our life. Um, and then now he's got like a couple of. Uh, Polaris razors and I've got a little CR85 myself. Uh, <laughs> nice. To have some fun and try not to hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fun. I, I really like it. Kind of challenge myself and some skills a little bit. Yeah. Just do yeah. something different. I'm kind yeah. of like an adrenaline speed freak, anyways. So <laughs> it works out really well. Yeah, Sometimes I find myself in a little <laughs> in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> um. But normally I can ride it out and just gas out of it. <laughs> nice. So that sends to a good question of family. So like how important is family to you to have that mental side of things remain fresh and fun? Yeah, it's huge for me. Um, we are a very pretty close and outdoors family. I think a lot of what I have learned and what I do, I have learned from my, my parents and my family. So 
it's pretty normal for us. I think growing up, we had a, you know the motorhome, going to see all the national parks and state parks and camping cool. and taking that to the, to go snowboarding and stuff. So growing up, it was a big part of uh, our life and our family. So um, it's, I find it really important to keep going back to that uh, every time I go on. Cool. What's your favorite national park? You know, what's funny is um, <laughs> I actually forgot, like, all the ones that I've been to. No. I was, like, a young, young, very young kid. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I kind of, all of those memories kind of just dropped out of my head. Oh, but uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, oh, man, probably, like, the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's super it's pretty, cool. And, like, it's pretty amazing. There's, like, no place in the world that's like that. So. No. Yeah. It's super cool. Well, you'll just have to go back and refresh your memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Very, very cool. So um, so you mentioned Nate, fiance, congrats again. Um, Thank you. When is the wedding going to happen? And how is that stressor? Like, is that adding to the stress <laughs> of the citizen as well? That is a great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, our date is on October 3rd, so it's okay, actually great. exactly a week from after World Championships. Wow. So maybe a little bit tight. Wow. Um, but this date <laughs> kind of came before uh, anything else. I think we, we always used to joke whenever our, our dating anniversary landed on a Saturday, that's just when we were going to get married, whether <laughs> we kind of liked it or not. Uh, that's great. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was actually kind of funny because Nate proposed and then it was like, well, now what? And then <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, I guess October 3rd, 2020 still works. It's like yeah. two years from, from when he proposed. So I was like, oh, yeah, we could give ourselves some extra time to uh, plan everything. And, yeah, it'll be great. That's and then awesome. uh, a year goes by and we actually haven't done anything. Then oh, it was no. like a little <laughs> bit of stress mode. And it was like, okay, we got to do something now. Otherwise, we're going to be like really behind. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, it's like Olympic year, uh, yeah. everything. So, yeah. Dang. A little bit of stress. <laughs> there was a moment this winter where we're, you know, trying to nail down a place. And um, actually, we found our venue last year in August. Okay. And I was racing in uh, Norway. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm racing, um, and I like podiumed a couple times. <laughs> uh, meet all the while uh, trying to figure out like where we're gonna get married. So <laughs> the contrast. Uh, yeah, nice uh, break. Something yeah. else to think about after the race, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely stressful at times. I think some of my team could could notice that. Yeah. Um, but um, typically, I'm a really good multitasker, but. To be honest, I still did pretty well at that race. I don't think it was ever a distraction. Uh, yeah. It's obviously another little bit of stress on me, um, yeah. but I never found it to be uh, a problem. Cool. So, um, but yeah, it's not the easiest thing to do. I don't think it's my favorite thing to plan. It's a lot to, to think about. Yeah. And it's also like a lot of pressure. I mean, it's like supposed to be the only time you ever do it and you kind of don't want to mess up. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like some people to please, uh, even though at the end of the day, it's still your day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like, and you've also never done it before. So <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. a lot going on. Um, it's not the easiest. And uh, originally we actually thought about just doing a destination wedding in Spain, but wow. a lot of my family wouldn't come and we, you know, my family is pretty important to me. So we kind of yeah. changed plans a little bit. 
Um, but it's all coming together now. We're making decisions and moving forward, and um, things are getting done. Uh, I have someone helping me out to coordinate everything, oh, cool. so that's nice, and I can just kind of push stuff off to her uh, when it comes to some things, so I can kind Sweet. of not freak out and stress out while I'm racing. And um, Nate's doing a good job helping out. He's uh, licked all the envelopes on the save the dates. <laughs> I told him he didn't have to, but <laughs> he really likes yeah, to do that, actually. <laughs> I think you can use, like, a sponge or something, and it'll be fine. <laughs> That's what I told him, but he actually likes – he said he likes <laughs> the taste of the envelope. Oh, gosh. A, we'll just say <laughs> I don't know if I should have said that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I should have said that on, uh, on podcast. That's all right. That's all Maybe right. Maybe he won't even listen to this, but um, yeah, that's a fun fact for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, another family member that I was super excited to follow on Instagram is your dog. So yep. when did when did that happen? Name is Tank. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Nice. Tank. A bull, bulldog. American bulldog. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a total sweetheart. He totally is he is so nice uh it's so and he's just super goofy but uh so the whole back story to this um my my dad when he gets into something like Mm -hmm. he just goes all in like 110 percent and um i don't even know why he got into this american bully breed um Mm. but you know that's just what he got into and that's just his latest craze and um so, I guess for Tank story, um, he had a deposit on him, and then the person who wanted him went to go pick him up, and I guess his tail had a little kink in it, oh. and they didn't they didn't want him anymore. Ah. So yeah, it was super sad. And then um, the breeder like posted something like, you know, kind of a a discount dog, you know, sort of thing like. Uh, you know, if you if you want him, come come by and pick him up, and he's a little bit cheaper or whatever, because he's got <laughs> this kinked tail. Um, uh. So my dad just goes and gets this dog, but you know, on the seat of his pants, like, didn't tell my mom, didn't tell me. Um, <laughs> and then, funniest thing is, uh, the breeder posted or tagged me in a post, and I just saw this picture of my dad with this dog. <laughs> That's how and you then, found out. Yeah, that's how I found out. And then that's the breeder hilarious. goes, oh, Tank is going to a celebrity home. And I was oh, like, man. oh, no, what happened? So my dad <laughs> just, you know, was a proud dad and told the breeder about me, I guess. And, yeah, um, that's great. Ended up getting tagged <laughs> tagged in this post. And then I'm calling my mom and I'm calling my dad. And meanwhile, I was, like, in Mallorca uh, doing, like, a personal training camp. And I was, like, so confused what was going <laughs> on and what I just saw. Uh, because my dad was in this photo, so it was like kind of real. And yeah. I was like, "Man, what's going on?" And then I find out the whole story. Oh, that's and great. Then, um, so basically, you know, he originally it was my dad's dog, and uh, my dad kind of trained him until, and I think he was about ten months when when uh, Nate and I got him. Nice. Um, but uh, my dad gave me this deal, and he said. Hey, when you and Nate buy a house, you guys can have Tank. And then <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I was like, "Wait a second, so this is like two responsibilities. Like, yeah, it's it like yeah. <laughs> have one big responsibility. Responsibility. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm just gonna throw in another one for free. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, um, I don't know about this deal. And um, 
yeah, the first time I met Tank was when I came home after the spring last year, and super cute and just funny guy, super goofy, a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, and then this off season, um, you know, I normally take three to four weeks just like completely off the bike. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to to do kind of uh, when you're not riding for, you know, between one, five and six hours a day. Yeah. So um, he's like, oh, if you want to, you know, babysit tank, you totally can. So uh, we took him for a week. And, um, yeah, we just had a lot of fun with him. And then um, I think because my parents have another dog at home. Mm -hmm. So I think for Tank to have, like, 100% of the attention, um, he was learning a lot more and, uh, you know, just being a little bit more social, being a little more friendly. uh, Just, you know, we were just able to focus on him a little more and just give him a lot of love. And so uh, he really loved it. And then – Let's see, when we went camping, we brought him back and then to my parents and we're like, oh, we kind of miss Tank. Like, <laughs> we kind of missed having him a little buddy around and I, I was bored, you know. I kind of like didn't have like a, you know, a small purpose throughout the day where it was like riding or, uh, you know, kind of walking Tank around and spending time with him or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So we, we missed him and then around Christmas time, we took him back. And uh, since then, we haven't given him back. So, <laughs> and we haven't New bought a house now. yet. So yeah. we, uh, we, we <laughs> kind of broke the, the rules <laughs> on yeah. the deal. Yeah. Um, but no, we're having a lot of fun. And then my dad is still on his American bully craze, and he went ahead and got two more of them. No. <laughs> yeah. So uh. honestly, my mom was like, just keep Tank. Like, just keep them. <laughs> That's awesome. She's it, like, I don't gonna, want four dogs. <laughs> yeah, she's like, we're literally going to be a zoo. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so luckily, one of the, the new puppies is is with my sister, and uh, oh, cool. she lives in another place. So now it's just back to two dogs at my parents' place, and then we have Tank. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we have a lot of fun with him. It was really nice to have him for the winter and kind of give me a, another purpose in the off season so i'm not just bored all the time yeah you know not riding my bike and then once i started training again um he kind of you know had to be part of my routine so i'd put him in the kennel when i'd leave and then as soon as i get back um grab my recovery drink take him out for a walk and then i would just go on this like recovery walk with him yeah. as soon yeah. as i got back great way so of I had him a, down. yeah i had a really good rhythm with him and uh, just a lot of fun and just always kept me happy and laughing because he's just a goofy guy. Um, and uh, now that I'm away from home and Nate has a, a buddy at home, so yeah, it's kind yeah. of always something we've always wanted is a, is a dog. And, you know, for a, a while it was kind of unrealistic with how my lifestyle is, yeah. but I think we've got it working pretty good with, with Tank. And he's, he's happy and we're happy. And, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt like, uh, yeah, the secret to, one of the secrets to staying mentally happy and fresh is having a dog. I mean, I'm just a dog person, but Same. It's, it's very hard to, like, look at a dog and be playing with a dog and then be stressed about something else. Like, it's almost impossible. So, yeah. Yeah, there, exactly. There, there you go. There's the secret to everything. <laughs> yeah, if only I knew two years ago, I would have had a dog sooner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, so I want to segue a little bit here. Um, 
to dive into a little bit of your development. So switching into from how you're doing things now to, in a way, kind of how you did things or how things used to be. Um, so, uh, you know, essentially, from what I know, you're, you started racing and riding very young. Um, your family got you into that. Um, how old were you when you started? Uh, I was about nine years old when I okay. started pretty young um and yeah. then you uh turned professional in when you were 16 is that right yeah like kind of local professional uh mm -hmm. like cat two cat one but i was still you know racing with the pros and stuff yeah um so yeah okay and, th and then so when you were um let's say like about what age did you start like traveling big time to races with teams um you know, less on kind of the junior circuit and more on the professional circuit. Like when, what about what age did you start doing that? Um, if I remember correctly, actually my first international trip, I think I was already 13. I went to Guatemala. Wow. Did wow. like tour of Guatemala. Wow. Um, and I didn't really feel like 13 at the time. And I think about it now, like, I'm like, man, that was really young. Like how was I actually able to travel internationally by myself? Yeah. Wow. That was um, by yourself. And, and like figure that all out. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm remembering that correctly, but I'm pretty sure that's how old I was. Wow. And uh, I was with um, uh, Des Dickey. He used to be one of the coaches at USA Cycling. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, he knew some people down in, in Guatemala, and I just wanted a little more racing experience. Um, raced for a small team there. Uh, yeah, crashed and like broke a wheel and like oh, all this man. stuff happened and just kind of figured it out. I think I got sick too at some point, probably wow, with like a stomach. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just broad experience. Yeah, yeah, thirteen. Yeah. I, I don't even know if this is correct. Maybe I was a little bit older, but yeah. Still. So it was all like this big uh, experience for me and just, but I felt like I never like freaked out or didn't not like it. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there's definitely a lot of like. Oh, I don't know what this is going to be like, mm -hmm. um, but I just kind of went into it and didn't really freak out. Okay. I'm, then, still, I'm still here, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, so did all that young. Um, you kind of progressed through a couple different teams, right? And then uh, found yourself at Marion. So um, what was your decision to get into collegiate cycling, especially compared to having – um, like the pro option as well, or just the pro option. Yeah. Um, so when I was a junior, like, you know, the trajectory is pretty steep. You're doing really well. Uh, mm -hmm. my second year junior, I got two bronze medals at junior world championships. So one on the road and then one on the track. Um, I did have an offer to go to a big team. Um, and then my, before that kind of backtrack a little bit, my first two years of high school, I went to like this Catholic private high school. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot, um, but with cycling, it, it just wasn't going to work out. So then I switched over to this um, kind of local online program that was like really popular with um, uh, like really young actors and actresses and, you know, families in the military and stuff like that. So it worked out really well for me. And then I was able to graduate a semester early. So then um, I think it was after my junior racing, I had this spring to just race and like not have to go to school. And um, 
I turned down an offer to go to a, like a big European team um, and then kind of stayed in the U.S. a little bit and had plans to do some races with the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was at Tour of Qatar, um, I had a really bad crash and had a really bad concussion and I was like knocked out for two minutes. Don't remember the next four hours. I like had a cut on the top of my head. I don't really know how. I had like some road rash on my face. Uh, luckily, I didn't break any teeth. Um, but it was like a, a really bad crash. And then I think it was at that moment when I thought, you know, I think school would be a good idea. So, um, that's kind of what kind of woke me up to that I- idea. And, um, actually I think it was that summer before the, so this, before I went to Europe for like my last junior worlds, I actually visited Marion, um, in the summer because luckily for me, I have a, a sister who lives, um, in one of the suburbs outside of Indy. So the main idea was actually to visit her. And then I think it was maybe coming back or on the way to junior road nationals or something like that. And then from Indy, I was traveling to back to Europe for junior worlds. Um, so it worked out well that I could visit campus and Dean face to face for the first time. Uh, no one was really on campus and so it was summertime, but it was still nice to you know, have a, you know, actually see what, what it was going to be like. Yeah. Um, but at that time I wasn't really sure on what I wanted to do, but luckily I had some time on my hands to kind of make that decision. Mm-hmm. So then I went through the rest of that spring and then, um, yeah, was still doing good at races, but knew, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent, uh, recovered from my concussion and it took a little bit of time to kind of get back into a flow and I turned down to uh, do the spring block in Europe, which is probably the best smartest decision I've ever made because Hmm. I probably wouldn't come out alive on that one. I think that would have been a really hard trip for me and probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't have as much fun with cycling if I, if I did that. Um, Cause I don't think I was ready for it. I was still having a lot of issues with, with my concussion. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that kind of sparked my idea to go to school, and I knew there was collegiate cycling, and then I, you know, I thought about, uh, you know, they have, you know, what do I want to major in, and, you know, what am I good at, or what do I want to learn more about, and I figured I was able to kind of secure a lot of personal sponsors for myself, and kind of just learn that on my own, mm-hmm. and then thought about marketing, just to have another dimension of that, and, you know, another uh more information on it for the degree and just on the professional side of things and different industries and like learn about that more so then that's when i kind of thought about studying uh business marketing um and then yeah the whole debate with yeah i'm from california do i really want to go to indianapolis (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but then i had my sister out there and then you know when i look back on my time there like we're we've grown really close now. She was practically like my mom out there. Yeah. Um, and then I was around for the birth of all three of her kids and like, we're also right. super close. So yeah, it was a really cool time in my life. And it's also where I met you and also when I met Nate. So yeah, it was, it's a really, you know, important part of my life. And, um, I think it's also a good time to kind of like learn about yourself as far as like age-wise I think 
like I see some of the young girls here on my team and I'm just like, wow, you're super young. Um, there's still so much that you have to learn about yourself and what you're doing. And I don't know, some feel like, you know, can I do both? Can I do both uh, school and, you know, world tour cycling or, and then I've also talked to other juniors in the U.S. who are like, you know, I think I want to go to school. But it's funny because I've noticed that cycling in Europe is a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and it's a huge opportunity. And then cycling in, in the U.S., it's not as huge. Um, and also, I think this, the, the standard and cost of living is, is much different. Yeah. And, uh, and then also, you know, these Euros, they can just go home right away. And a lot of things are kind of normal for them even though maybe they're not from the netherlands yeah um but you know the way to travel within europe is more you know like traveling within the states even though they're different countries so there's a lot of cultural differences there i think that are different and i think especially as an american i think it is still really important to go to school and have an education so um now that i'm a little bit older and i can see these young girls and kind of think back about it it's was definitely the right pathway for me. Um, but I think for others, uh, you know, you can just go straight into it, you know, especially if you're from Europe. Uh, and I don't think there's no right or wrong way to do it, but I, I appreciate and I think what I did worked out really well. Yeah, I think that, I mean, to each his own, everyone has their own unique path that they follow and everyone's different. But one thing I noticed and still do notice is that cycling in a way, because it's so all-encompassing, it almost like allows a little bit of postponement within growing up in certain atmospheres. So like mm -hmm. that could either be, you know, having to pay bills or do your taxes or like whatever, um, within, you know, normal day-to-day -day things. Um, we as cyclists get so caught up in the world of like, all right, I'm living with my teammates I'm training with my teammates. The team provides this, the team provides that. I only really have to take care of like, you know, lunch. Um, so right. <laughs> it kind of keeps you from having to figure that out. So like I've seen quite a few pros come out the other side and when they do, they're like, Oh wow, this is the world. <laughs> it's almost like right. when uh, high schoolers leave for college, it's, it's very interesting. So yeah, it's interesting mm -hmm. you say that. Um, cool. So uh, I guess, so when you were at Marion, um, if I remember, remember correctly, you took, you actually, you know, stepped away from pro cycling for a little while. Is that correct? Yep. And then uh, why why did you decide to do that? And then what did that do for you to take that break? Yeah, so it was like my, my freshman year of college. And yeah, I'm, I'm like really this kind of gung-ho kind of personality. And it's like uh, I was always saying yes to things. Um, I would I would make things that were hard to do or like impossible possible and trying to make everything fit. And uh, yeah, I think I was just doing too much and I just couldn't handle it. Um, mm. Basically at one point I was like going to school, racing for Marion, racing for the national team and racing for my trade team. And, you know, I was talking to my professors and doing everything in the best possible way and communicating and, and it was all working out. Like I wasn't like my grades were, you know, my grades weren't, you know, bad I was A's and B's um you know I was still focused in school I was still doing my races for Marion uh still doing my races with the national team uh and then still doing races for my trade team and just making it all work um but I think what I 
lost in that whole process was just kind of the fun of it. Yeah. So I went from, yeah, liking what I do to, to, you know, trying to fit too much of it. And then I didn't like it anymore. So basically I was like getting ready for a ride and I was like, why am I actually leaving for this ride? <laughs> and I didn't have an answer. So then I just didn't go. And I guess it was kind of simple for, for me, I guess, yeah, to like realize. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, I don't know why I'm going out, actually. Like, ah, I guess I'm just not going to go if there's no reason. So for a while, uh, yeah, I just kind of skipped on some training and just wasn't having fun, didn't really want to go to other races. Um, I knew I had a commitment with Marion and Road Nationals, so I was just, you know, keeping the fitness and the riding well enough to, to, to do well there. And, um, yeah, to be honest, I rode like once a week for four hours and then that was it for maybe like a month leading, leading up to nationals. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm pretty open and honest about that. And yeah, uh, yeah. that's just kind of how, where I was in that moment. And, uh, yeah, I still did okay. I didn't win anything. I still helped the team. Uh, we won, we won the team time trial for the women and then um won, nationals. i think yeah i think we won the omnium for the team yeah, yeah nationals, we, we so. did yeah so yeah <laughs> we did That's i was right. there i was there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean i still kind of you know went into my commitment but i i wasn't like having the best time of my life yeah. so riding a bike uh, and then from there i was just like telling my team that I wasn't into it, told my coach that I wasn't really into it, um, broke down a couple times, uh, but then just had like a normal person summer. Like I was just home. I didn't have anything to do. I uh, didn't have to ride. Um, so it was a little bit weird, but then I can kind of do a lot of the things that I've always wanted to do. Like I went surfing a lot uh, with my cousins who like go surfing uh, pretty often in the summer. So I did a lot of that. Uh, also did a lot of nothing. Uh, and then just kind of be in that moment in the summer to do nothing and kind of figure out. Well, actually, I didn't really figure out what I wanted to do. I was, I was, <laughs> I was just kind of doing my, my normal summer, like a yeah. normal kid's summer. Yeah. Uh, and just not doing races, not having to go to nationals. And that's normally when the season kind of kicks into gear in the U.S. And yeah, I just wasn't doing it, and I was okay with that, actually. Yeah. I was fine. I didn't feel like I had any any FOMO. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I just needed that time. And when I think about it now, at that point, I had been racing for uh, almost 10 years. So yeah. I've been doing this, this routine every year for 10 years. Uh, and it's a lot. Uh, it's, uh, it's not the easiest, especially as American. Um, and then like, yeah, and I'm going to school. So there's a lot, a lot going on. Um, but I think I, I think I just really needed it. And luckily my mind and body kind of gave me a sign, um, to just take the break and just don't do anything and not, not have to go on the bike. Um, but instead like want to go on the bike. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, of course, I think it was a good thing that I was going to Marianne because then at some point, yeah, Dean was like, okay, well, you know, you're here on kind of a scholarship. At some point you 
we need to either start racing or we need to adjust some things. Yeah. So I think in a way it was able to fold cycling back in, in a really, in a healthy way. Um, and like, I also helped out as a coach at track nationals. So that was still kind of summertime. So I, I hadn't been riding all summer. Um, and I was still able to be part of the team and kind of see the other side of cycling. And it was hard, like yeah. carrying all these freaking rollers and tools and <laughs> helping everyone out. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier on the, yeah. on the other side. <laughs> um, but uh, it was really fun. And I, I had a lot of fun with it. And I, I really actually do love giving back and just helping other people out and nice. people teach people what I know. Um, and I had a, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. But Great. then, yeah, uh, Dean and I had a talk, and then we figured out that um, I think cyclocross was a, a good way to, to start riding again. Yeah. Um, no pressure, just, like, having fun. Uh, you know, we had, like, the cycloplex there, so I could just hop on my cross bike and just, you know, be in a place where I could just start riding. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, a, it was a really cool way to kind of get back into it um, and just keep it on a fun level. And yeah. I think the environment was really cool within the team. And then, um, yeah, you know, we were able to just, that's what's great. I think about collegiate is like, we're, we're all riding bikes, but there's like a greater purpose for why we're there and it's Definitely. to get an education. So I found that, um, yeah, you know, we're there to show up for, for training rides and races and stuff, but there's, there's more to life than just that. Yeah. So that there's more to what we're doing than just riding bikes yeah and it, so, it's like a collection of personalities and it's not just hey you ride bikes good it's you know you are interested in and you're doing these different things yeah 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 exactly and then also at different levels so you know you have your right. higher level athletes and your mid and your low and you're you're just trying to help each other and help each other be better and you know if you're struggling in a class there's you know someone there that you could talk to or whatever yeah. and so it was more than just bikes and i think that's part of what helped me kind of like it again yeah. in a sense. So well, think, yeah, then I got back into it. Go ahead. Uh, I was just saying like the maturity, I think to make that call was huge, especially at a pretty young age. Cause you were what kind of eight, 18 then 18, 19 when you made that call yeah. to kind of step. So yeah. that's, that's huge. I mean, I've, there's adults that struggle with that now because um, it's the concept of, well, I've worked for this for 10 years and if I step mm -hmm. away from it, it'll all be gone. And it's, yeah. um, you know, if you've lost it and you need to find it again, step away, find it. And if it comes back, then it, you know, might come back even stronger. So like when, when it did come back, what, what was that sensation and, and when did that strike and um, what did you do and how did you know? Yeah. So I got back in with cyclocross and then um, I did the road season that spring. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I was just getting back into the, like the whole riding routine. And I was working with a coach at Marion, um, just kind of starting over. Uh, not too much pressure on myself, just, you know, uh, fulfilling my commitments with the team. And I uh, was just trying to get back into it. And uh, I, was ha I was just having fun, uh, honestly. And I, I really enjoyed the whole collegiate scene. and. Uh, we did well again at road nationals that year. So things, things were good. Um, but then come, come, you know, end of spring going into summer, I was just thinking, yeah, what am I going to do? Uh, like I'm not racing for a team. I'm just racing for Marion. You know, what, what do I want to do with my, my summertime? Mm -hmm. 
uh, I kind of had a good thought about it, and I reached out to some friends in Europe, and I was just thinking, like, if I want to get back into this, if I want to do it more, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it right, and I'm going to do it uh, the way I want to do it. So then I ended up racing uh, on a really small British team over the summer and uh, didn't get paid, just uh, helped me out with my flights uh, and a place to stay. And we did a bunch of races. We did some races from some tour series crits in the UK. And then we did some races uh, in Czech. We did a stage race in Czech Republic. We did a stage race in France, uh, some races in Belgium. Uh, We had like a small team house in uh, Ronsa, Belgium. Uh, it's on the bottom of one of the final climbs in, in Flanders uh, for a little while. So that was super cool. Um, Very cool. So it was a really fun time. No pressure, small team. Um, my best result was fifth in a, in this race in Germany. Nice. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, cool to kind of, like, get back in the flow on my own terms. And yeah. then it was just, like, the small British team. It was great. Everyone spoke English. Uh, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a fun environment. It wasn't, like, too stressful with, like, too many new things. Um, and I just did a good job, like, taking care of myself abroad uh, alone. Um, so easing back in kind of in a way. Yeah, easing back in, but knowing, you know, if I, if I like this, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And if I don't like this, you know, I'll, I'll knock it back a few levels. But I, that's, I actually really had a lot of fun that summer, and I it was getting that drive back getting that uh, uh, motivation and competition back. And I really wanted to work hard and I wanted to, to get better. Uh, also spent a couple of weeks in Girona. So cool. was getting a good vibe and feel of what cycling is in Europe. So then I was thinking, okay, I, I can handle this. Like it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, it's actually pretty cool. So, um, but funny enough, um, Lauren Tamayo reached out to me, and I've known her for a long time since I was a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, "Yeah, what are you, what are you doing next year? What's up with you? Like, what's your story? You're off the map last summer, and now you're like racing randomly in Europe." And uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, her husband at the time was running the United Healthcare men's team, and yeah. uh, turns out they were going to start building a women's team, and they were kind of figuring out what I'm doing. Um, so I think it was a um, real blessing that they were looking out for me and yeah. was interested in what I was doing. And then I ended up signing with them, uh, the next year. Uh, and, um, yeah, it wasn't like a huge, uh, European schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, um, I don't think we even raced in Europe at all. I'm not really sure. I forgot. I have to go back <laughs> and look, but, um, no, it was it was great. It was great to get back into it. I was in this really great environment, professional team. Um, you know, it was a huge men's team at the time. Yeah. So you know, the women's team was sure to be a good one. And we had Allison Powers, we had Lauren Tamayo, we had Carrie Higgins. A lot of these people uh, I already know mm-hmm. from a long time. Um, and then we just took it to another level. So it was super cool. And then I was with them for three years. And um, yeah, I just kept that ball rolling and. Snowball kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. (laughs) And then you went to, did you go from UHC to Sunweb or was there a step in between? Yeah. So basically what happened, um, let's see. So yeah, I was with uh, UHC uh, making a lot of progress there and I was getting 
yeah, better and every year uh you know we were doing a lot of the races though that I had already done so especially you know when I was a junior like I, I think I did uh Redlands for the first time when I was like 16 so like every year we were doing Redlands and I think by my last year of the team like I won Sunset I won the crit um uh, I won GC at Joe Martin. I would have never thought I'd do that. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> um, I've, you know, I've won a lot of big races. I think I did a top five at Philly. Um, so my feeling that I had on my last year or my second to last year on that team is like, I'm, I'm not really like challenging myself. Like, yes, it's hard. And yes, I'm doing hard races. Um, but I already know these races and I've done them since I was a kid, actually. Yeah. So I kind of wanted more and I knew there was more. Um, and then we did like a small block in Europe, I think. And uh, I think I did pretty good there. And, and I really liked it. I love the toughness of Europe. I love the narrow roads. I love that everyone's just like is gung ho and just goes for it. <laughs> yeah. And um, in the U.S., it's like we have these big roads. We're a little bit timid. We're all about safety. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it's great, but um, I like that challenge. I like to, you know, push it to the next level, and like I like the aggression of, of the racing in Europe. Yeah. Um. So, and then also another thing to the story is, uh, we did collegiate. My last collegiate road nationals was actually the test event for Worlds uh, oh, cool. at Richmond, and uh, we did really well there. I had, uh, I think I won the road race and the crit, and we won the TTT. So yeah, it was a great year. We also won the Omnium again. And yep. then, uh, you know, someone was asking me, like a reporter after the race, was like, so are you looking to be here next year for, for World Championships? And I was just thinking, I was like, oh, that's actually a good idea. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, actually, no, at the moment, but that's, that would actually be super cool. Uh, and then I, I like, had kind of thought about that and then sat down with Dean and was just like, how can we make this work? How can we do this? And then how can we kind of, have that flow into Rio. So yeah. then, you know, kind of keeping that Olympic dream alive and trying to bring that back into the fold. So then for, for 2015, uh, I, yeah, I went to Richmond the next that year for, for world championships. So that was super cool. Um, that night I was finishing an exam online. No way. The, the night before the race, oh, I was finishing awesome. an online, online exam uh before the, the road race yeah and it was kind of late uh my roommate was like evelyn steven she was already asleep and i was just <laughs> clacking uh, away on my keyboard uh just getting this test done so i could go to bed that's amazing um but yeah uh you know and then was in the break at the race so really was part of the race and made yeah. a difference for the team um and uh yeah and then after that i had graduated and then it was like hey what do i want to do uh going into 2016 and then uh luckily um uhc was able to support me and kind of change the schedule a little bit and then we went to do a spring block in europe to try and qualify myself uh for rio and then uh, i ended up getting sick didn't really have the best uh races also didn't qualify for rio but we still did some really good races in europe and then also did so we, we came back in the summer uh, and did Turingen and also won a stage there. So kind of refocused all the energy I put into going to Rio into doing well at this stage race in Germany. Cool. So, um, yeah, and then from there, uh, you know, Sun, Sunweb 
had been talking to me for a little while and then uh, I felt like it was a good time to move on from being on a US-based team to really going all in, going on a European team and uh, being on a world tour team at the highest level. Yeah, one of the best teams in the world. Um, So it sounds like you had, I mean, looking at it broad spectrum, now that we've heard all this, it it seems like you had some really key and really important stepping stones for you. And um, what I see pretty often within juniors is um, them having a really quick or maybe too quick progression and then kind of hitting this point of like, wow, I, I, I kind of want a real life and then maybe burning out or kind of tapering. Um, and then you almost got like a reset to try again and go at it even more with uh, the maturity and the experience to play off of too. And it sounds like it's obviously playing out very well and, and you're doing great and will continue to gr- do great. <laughs> um, so question for you, if, yep. uh, if you could talk to your 16 year old self or even younger and give some advice on um how to approach things differently or how to see progression or anything like that um what would you what would you say um i would tell my 16 year old self to just always like keep it fun yeah always make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing um and always ask yourself that too, like, you know, am I actually enjoying this? Like, am I, do I like what I'm doing? Um, of course, there's always going to be times where it's like you're training hard or you're doing this race that's raining and it sucks and you wish you're at an office sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's good to like really ask yourself, like, is this, is this good for me right now? And yeah. um, I guess it's different when you're 16 though, because you don't really know. I think at that age, um, you know, a lot of decisions are kind of made for yourself. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the advice I give to some juniors that I talk to, it's like when you go from eight, you know, when you turn 18 and you go, go out of juniors into like the elite ranks or U23 or whatever, you, you basically go from, you know, not making a lot of decisions for yourself to having to make most or all of them. So you kind of have to learn what you want and how you want to do it and you know who you want to keep close to you and how you're going to make these decisions um and i think that's i i would say that's also another thing i would tell my 16 year old self to kind of you know make choices for yourself and not not let a lot of other people do it for you yeah even though it's probably hard to do when you're still yeah no i like that i think that's that is phenomenal. Okay, that is a great way to wrap up. Um, <laughs> because so um, this is the first, you know, first episode. Um, you have been an amazing guest. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was um, now that you kind of get the premise of what I'm trying to do with this podcast and what the training edge is all about. Um, who should we have on? Do you have anyone that you think I should reach out to? Mm, um. Yeah, I think it's also good to maybe reach out to some someone else that's like is not in the sport anymore. Like yeah. how did you deal with like that transition going from even yourself, even uh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, going from racing to not or like someone like Allie or mm-hmm. I guess yeah. good to have like the comparisons of like different stories and 
not everyone's story is going to be the same. And yeah, I like that. Um, the transition. That, kinda... In the end, it's always just going to be fun. Like yeah. no matter what you're doing, uh, you know, you'll still have something to do kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like don't, your life path is your life path and live it up for sure. Don't be yeah. afraid of what other people think you should be doing. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. it. Well, thank you, Corinne. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for, um, everyone who listened to this. Um, again, this was episode number one. Um, and from here on out, we're going to have a pretty decent flow of episodes that I'm kind of stockpiling, getting ready. Um, some good guests, some good topics. Um, if you, have any suggestions on topics please reach out let me know um you can email me at isaiah so that's i-s-a-i-a-h at fastcatcoaching.com um please you know give us a review let us know what you think um and thank you again corinne and thank everyone for listening to the training ed podcast which is a new extension of the fast cat podcast so thank you corinne no worries thanks for having me